This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. We are happy to have you guys along with us again this week for a wonderful wine week. I'm very excited. Are you, Dad? That's right. Number 99. Number 99. 100's next time. 100's next time. We'll have to be celebrating 100, but really we're going to... We hadn't figured it out. We hadn't figured it out, but I think we're going to do a very special two years episode. So, would that be 104 or 100? Whatever. Whatever. Anyway. Well, 52 times two. So, that would be 104. So, coming up on our two years as well as 100 episodes. So, And we're also creeping up on getting close to 10,000 downloads, which is very exciting. Right. We're at 94.50 or something like that. Well, that's awesome. So, we... We are very happy you guys are continuing along with the journey this week. And like I mentioned earlier, it is a wine week and we are doing our summer white wine favorite or summer. Yeah. Summer white wine favorites or no, we just said summer. We wines, just said summer wine, but right. we both picked a white. white. Well, yours is well, sort of pink. Yeah. We'll, we'll get, we'll get to mine here in a minute, but so dad, what are you doing and what are your pairings this week? So I'm doing the Kirkland, you know, you kind of turned me on to that and you can't, you can't go bad with the price. Yeah. But it's uh, the uh, Kirkland Marlboro uh, Sauvignon Blanc. And my pairings is a, a quiche that's got ham and onion and cheese. And then I branched way out. You'll see the picture on Instagram. It's a tuna tartare. And it looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It looks really pretty. It is pretty. It's layered. That came out really well. Be brave, Josh. Be brave. <laughs> and then a key lime pie. And a key lime pie. It's going to be really delicious. And I, this week, have from Teutonic Wine Company, I have their Raspberry Mushroom Riesling. And it is actually pink, and we will talk. I'll talk about why it's pink as we kind of get into it. And then my pairings this week, I have a cheddar and bacon brat. I have some barbacoa tacos and then some chicken roasted garlic tortellinis that are tossed in a brown butter and sage I sauce. I didn't have lunch, did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> well, it seems it seems to be that's the way it works around here. I know, and I might not need it's dinner. Funny. I need lunch, but uh, <laughs> yeah. i got to fix all this stuff together. I know. So, uh, you ready for a cheers? Well, no, we got to talk about our blind first. Well, we didn't have a blind last week. We didn't, we? but we had one two weeks ago. Oh, we did. We did. And I said it was a rye whiskey, and then I even went as far to say as it was whistle pig, uh, piggyback rye. Okay. Well, what was it, Dad? Dad, maybe I tricked you on that because I was coming back from St. Martin and I texted you about whistle pig because they had some in the airport. And I was trying to figure out if it was a good price. Didn't have much room in my suitcase. And I didn't buy any. So you tricked yourself on it. Okay, but so it wasn't the piggyback rye. absolutely correct. It was a straight rye whiskey. Okay. And we have done this one before when Marie was here. And I'm holding the beautiful bottle. And it's St. Liberty, Josephine's Flathead River. Straight rye whiskey. If you can find it, go get it. It's fabulous. It's a hundred percent rye. It is one, and I think that's what tricked me on it. Is so that's one hundred percent rye, and so is the piggyback. They're both. Yeah, they're rye. both one hundred percent rye. rye. And you know, I 
I'd kind of forgotten about that you had a bottle of that and forgot that you didn't have you hadn't bought the piggyback yet. Right. So well, now I'm gonna have to go get the piggyback. Yeah, and it's I a guess. it's a really good rye. It's really good. So oh, you have it? Uh huh. I do. I have a I just actually finished a bottle of it last night. Well I mean I didn't I buy but I have another unopened bottle. Well, at the house. what I was gonna say was, we were at the baseball game. Did you have a little flask going, and I didn't know about it? No, I did not. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't take any in. Okay, well, no. you're not supposed to, but I know there's people that do it. Yeah, no, I, I didn't. I had it I had it later that night. But, well, we're gonna go ahead and start with a mine. So I'm totally ready. If you want to cheers this one, all right. This is a beautifully pink wine it's and it's slightly it's slightly fizzy so i would say you know it's frizzante or it's spritzy so it does have a little bit of of carbonation in there which is which is supposed to have and so i talked about how this is a pink color and i said that this is a riesling and a lot of people are out there well how is the riesling pink so teutonic wine company first of all is known for some doing very natural wine, but doing some very experimental stuff with their wines. Uh, they're out in Oregon, and what they've done with this one is they took their. Let's move the pie, Dad. Well, I'm trying to figure figure out all this placement, and I'm also trying to figure out <laughs> you've got this wonderful food over here, and I wonder if there's an order because there's you got two meats. And then you've got some noodles. Well, there's meat in the noodles. So, no, there's there's absolutely no order in those. Okay. They, like I was saying, they do some kind of, you know, really experimental and uh, out there kind of stuff with their wine while staying in the natural, in kind of a more natural feel. What they've done with this wine is they've actually taken the Riesling and they've pressed it through Pinot Meunier skins or Meunier skins. Oh, really? Yeah, and Pinot Meunier, for those of you who may not know, is one of the red grapes in Champagne. Mm. And it's really rich and kind of gives a good big body to it. So that's why you are you may be getting some non, non-Riesling non characteristics in the wine. But I get like a lot of like candied peaches in it. So did it lay on those grapes? So, or did they just press press it through and it went on? It goes through a a four day a four day maceration on the Pinot Meunier skin. Okay, okay. So they press so they press the wine, they press the Riesling, and then they let it sit on the Pinot Meunier skins for four days, and that's what gives it that tint, uh, that pink tint. So there's not actually any Pinot Meunier juice in this. It's just pulling some of those colors and mm. the tannins from the skin. So I don't know if like they don't consider this a rosé. I don't know really kind of where this lands, but it, it looks is, like a rosé. It looks like a rosé, but, but the you... grape that is used in the wine is not the skin that makes cuz all ro- mo- almost all rosés, well actually all rosés are from red grapes. Mm-hmm. This is not. Right. <laughs> so that's kind of what is but they pressed it through well, that red grape. Well, they just let it sit on skins mm-hmm. of a different grape. So that's that's the that's the crazy thing here. <laughs> like I said, they do some really interesting stuff at Teutonic, and it's good stuff because this is delicious. So did they? 
I'm, okay, I'm, so what they did was they yeah I'm confused so a little bit. They picked the riesling, right? Right. Okay. They pressed the juice from the riesling. Yeah. Put it in a vat. Okay. And then they put pinot. They had pinot meunier grapes. Press the juice out of that, and then took, and took the skins from the pinot meunier and put it on or in the riesling vat. Okay. There. And let it sit for four days. So that seems like an awful lot of work. Yeah. To get a little pink. I mean, that's how, that's one of the main, main methods to get rose. Well, but yeah. it doesn't, it's not just that you're getting the color out of it. You're actually getting some flavor nuances of this because this doesn't taste like a normal Riesling. Mm-mm. You don't get a lot of that high acidity, or you do get high acidity, but you don't get a lot of citrus flavors. Mm-mm. You don't get a lot of, you still get some of that carryover sweetness. You get some of the florality. But you have this like, there's this like earthy kind of undertone, and it has a more feel of a rose than you can get with a riesling. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting peach. Mm-hmm. I'm getting peach ne- too. And nectarine um, that just wouldn't happen with a riesling. Yeah, at least I don't think it would. Oh man, it tastes really, really good. Yeah. You get a lot, it's a lot more tree fruit, tree fruit flavors rather than citrus to me. And it's sweet, but it's not, it's still dry. Mm-hmm. It's still very dry. And after you finish, you kind of get that tannic feel from the grape skins. And I am loving this wine. Mm-hmm. So I see, and I, okay, you've been eating over there a little bit. Just as a reminder, we've got a, a broth that's got bacon and cheese in it, some brown butter sage. Um, tortellini with that's stuffed with roasted garlic and chicken, and then a barbacoa taco. Now, I did not make the barbacoa from scratch. I bought the barbacoa. Oh, okay. I bought it from Costco. I did not. I should have gone down and got it from one of our local Mexican stores. Now, did Costco have this wine? No. Colonial had this oh, okay. wine. That's <laughs> bigger. This is this is a little bit more expensive. It's $34 a bottle. Mm. Um, I did not buy it on, on Wine Wednesday. I actually bought it today. Oops. But I this is worth every penny to me. And like I said, they did a lot of work. That's why that price point's up there. At least in my theory. So what but, do you th- but with the brat, the cheese, like you said, the acidity and this fat of the brat, they're too, they're singing a song in my mouth. I mean, it's really good. Yeah, I kind of tried to get some but stuff the, that you might eat during the summer. Yeah, I'm, but I'm surprised about the peach just completely disappears with that broth. Yeah, it really just leaves kind of the acidity. Mm-hmm. And now I'm getting a little bit more of that pithy citrus kind of flavor mm-hmm. in there. Or even some like, there's definitely some like floral, like honeysuckle. Mm-hmm. That you get in there, that fat is just kind of taken over. If we were outside, we'd smell the honeysuckle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially on a day like today where it's hot and muggy and still. I guess it should rain, but it hasn't yet. Now, Teutonic, Teutonic wine, like I mentioned, is out in Oregon. They're doing natural doing more natural style wine. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and go into their history a little bit, dad. And why don't you go ahead and taste 
the rest of the food, and when I'm done, we'll kind of we'll kind of talk about it. Okay. All right. So Teutonic is a winery that's just outside of Portland. Their owners were actually, you know, lived in Portland, didn't really plan to get into wine, but got caught by the Riesling bug, and they were able to you know, try a bunch of really good Rieslings and just kind of they got into it. They had a couple things fall in their laps where they were able to start working in some vineyards and and taking over with with some vineyards. And, you know, they kind of started around, you know, 2000, between 2005 and 2008 in a place called Alsea, Oregon. You know, and it's only 19 miles as a crow flies to the coast. Okay. So you get a lot of that kind of cooler areas. And they jumped in feet first with no experience with no experience and just kind of started taking over an overgrown little winery place and you know 2008 they started you know kind of putting their stuff in in ferments and really going but one of the things that they kind of stuck with was they stuck with going after those kind of german and austrian and alsatian varietals Riesling is their thing. So they kind of like, like with this, you know, they, they're known for their Rieslings. And one of the things they also do is they kind of do some dry farming, which for those of you who may not know, dry farming is where you don't water at all. The only water, there's no irrigation system, no drip, no nothing. It's only what happens with the, with the weather and the climate. And what, one of the things that that does is it makes the vine struggle. Yeah, uh, we talked about that in Italy because the same thing goes on. They can't, they can't irrigate there, and so they get real good at, you know, trim, trimming the plant so it gets the sun, but then the root system is seeking that water, and if it's eight feet down, those roots get down there at eight feet. If it's twenty-five, they're going for it, and so we saw that in Italy. And so I don't, I don't find that as, as being unusual. So it's, it's just, that's a, that's a style. And I think making that, that plant struggle makes it stronger. Yeah. You know, I've been to, I can't remember what winery, but they actually like when they were ripping out one of their old vines, they replaced with a new one. They actually saved the root structure and showed that. And it was really cool to see like all those different layers, but you also were able to see the, they also showed the soil types, which was really cool too. And, you know, I think this one was like, you know, 15, 30 feet down. Yeah. And it's just so, it's so cool how, you know, the, the plant will survive no matter what. And it's in its chosen location. Right. Right. But so tell me what you've kind of snacked on so far. And uh, I know we've talked about the sausage a little bit, but what about the other ones? Well, the the taco, to me, it's kind of sweet. It's it's got that sweetness of the of the meat itself, and then it's got the cheese and whatever else is in there. And so, you know, you don't get the 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 high acidity like you did with the brat. You know, so the the wine and the taco are really good together, and it's kind of a like on like in my mind. You know. They, they just do well. And it's, 
really like that taco sauce. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. So that um, you know, the barbacoa, I didn't I didn't make it. You know, I also didn't. I should have gone down and probably bought it from one of our local Hispanic markets, but I actually got it from Costco. So, and it was already pre-cooked and it's, it's really good. It's got some tomatoes, some onions in it as well. And then there's queso fresco on top. And I'm kind of like you, I get a lot of that, like rather like with the sausage, you know, it kind of left and just kind of picked up the nice citrusy acidity. Mm Mm-hmm. But the barbacoa actually kind of lets this lie a little bit and you get, rather than more of the acidity, you get more of kind of the, the earth tones. Like I don't get a whole lot of the fruit anymore. It's, I get a lot of the flowery, the kind of the earthiness that I would expect from a Pinot Meunier or its skins. So I, I really like it. It goes very, <laughs> I think it goes well. And I just can't stop drinking. I can't stop drinking this wine. It's so good. Well, it's so I, good with the with the brat that peachness, the peach flavor that I get just disappears. But with the taco, it's still in the background, and that's kind of nice to have that fruit flavor mm-hmm. with that taco, with that sweetness and the cheese. So I'm loving that. Yeah, I don't get a whole lot of that peachiness, but I kind of understand where you're coming from with it. I just get a lot of just the more of the like kind of the the earthy characteristics. I don't yeah. really get a whole yeah. lot of the. I get fruit. that too, the earthy, but the fruit carried on. Yeah, so they we talked about how they they kind of do riesling, but they also focus. They also have Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier, Pinot Gris, Pinot Blanc, Gewürztraminer. Oh my. Viognier, Gruner, so they, they not only do they work in oh, you know a whole bunch of different areas now where they dry farm, they like to have older vines, they also work with elevation, which is important with some of these to get those cooler climates. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've actually seen also a, I've had a muscat from them. You know, it was actually when Seth was on the show, I think his first time, he brought, brought the Teutonic muscat and it was really really good super crushable and you know with these wines another thing that they focus on is they don't do a lot of high alcohol like this is 11 8 11 8 i think it's actually what it is 11 8 yeah it is 11.08 percent alcohol oh that is crushable <laughs> yeah because you know a lot of the they don't want to get all that extra sugariness out of it or mm-hmm. get the mm-hmm. get the high alcohol they want to let the fruit show mm-hmm. for itself and you know they they kind of are they only use wild yeast as well so they're really focused on oh, the really? natural staying okay. out of the way of the wine mm. and letting the wine speak for itself now what do you think about the pasta so the pasta I think it has chicken in it. Yeah, it's the chicken and roasted garlic. Okay. Um, it just, pasta by itself is fantastic. The wine by itself is fantastic. The two of them don't really make an exponential, fantastic, better taste. It's just, they're both good together. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, the, you know, the pasta I could eat, I could eat it all day and, and 
with my wine or your wine or whatever wine or you know maybe even light beer i don't know but <laughs> but yeah i was stretching there uh but it 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 didn't really and and one of the things we like with these pairings is for the two the food and the wine the two together kind of do this exponential better taste and better better combination the pasta didn't do that yeah and that's okay though it's yeah. okay because the pasta is really good and the wine is really good yeah and it's you know it really is just kind of disjointed like there's not a whole like they're good but there's nothing that kind of bridges them and brings them together you know maybe if the sauce was different that might do something but the way it currently sits now is not it's not the best thing. Well, too, she'd say that you can't do any sauce on this. Right. But no, you have you have to use, there are particular sauces which you use. Yeah, but this would just tortellini. be, but this would be, just be like a butter sauce. I mean, it can't be no really big tomato sauce. No. Yeah, especially not a meat sauce because right. you're focusing on it. And that's one of the reasons I did. And I, mm-hmm. I wanted to bring the sage and I thought that would bring a good earthiness, but it just didn't. It didn't hit well. Right. No, well, really good. Yeah. Really good, Josh. Anything else you want to know or have questions about this wine before we no, switch no. over? Uh, the price point again? Uh, it's $34 okay. a bottle. So, so not an everyday wine, but. So on Wine Wednesday, uh, it'd be down in the 27, 28 range. Yeah. So that's doable. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, while like with your wine, you could probably buy, I think it's like maybe. Your wine's like ten bucks, seven, seven dollars. So you know you can buy three or four of them with two one of these bottles. But it's just a it's a different experience. It's it, it you know this isn't really an everyday wine, or it's not price is an everyday wine. So it's so just this is special. that summer wine that you got some little special thing going on. Yeah, or you know if you just want to splurge, and you there's know nothing wrong with that. If you want to splurge for a day. Take this wine, have it, and it's super delicious, especially if you're going to be out. Like, I could, this would be a really good one to have, like, if you're floating, because it's got that little bit of bubble. Mm-hmm. It's only 11% alcohol. Mm-hmm. Throw it into a Yeti, a Yeti or a, like, a Nalgene. Keep it in the river. Keep it cold. Mm-hmm. It'll be good to go. You think it'd go well with ribs? I don't. Yeah, I was going to. Well, Maybe. Because it went well, it kind of went okay with the barbacoa, and it might, because of that kind of sweetness, it might actually stand up to the ribs a little bit. But it may. I it think those Kroger cheater ribs that you had. Oh hell no! <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna say. I know those cheater ribs. I'm never gonna live that down. Well, you brought it. You're the one that said they were cheaters. You're also the one that told me that there weren't ribs in the freezer when there were ribs in the freezer. Yeah. So, but it was, uh, I, I think this is a good one and I will definitely be, as the summer goes on, I will definitely be, I'll be, I'll definitely be buying more of this bottle. Okay. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and switch over to yours. So remind us what your wine is and what your pairings are. The wine is the Kirkland 2021. So it's really fresh. Marlboro. High Point, and that's that's the uh, winery. 
Sauvignon Blanc. And it's out of New Zealand. So, it's a good one. Price-wise, we already said it's like seven. I don't know how you could beat that. And then food-wise, I have a quiche that has uh, ham, and, ham and cheese in it. And then I did a splurge. I did a tuna tartare because, okay, you don't necessarily think summer t- tuna. But I don't know why not. Well, and a tartare is a, is a nice summer dish. Yeah, you, you don't have to cook. And, you know, in Arkansas, if you don't have to cook and you can eat something... That's a good thing. Yeah. Because that oven's going to heat the house up. <laughs> right. And uh, then a key lime pie. And I bought the key lime pie. Blue cake. Blue cake. Blue cake and honey pie. Honey pie company. Well, good. So this is a, uh, it's a clear wine. It doesn't really have any bubbles like mine does. There's some bubbles in the glass but that's just because of the glass itself not actually the wine mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful light pale straw color and, and it uh, hits you in the face with Savion Blanc smell well when we were in New Zealand and we were in Marlborough and we did some wineries we did like a, a full day tour and I do not remember the name of the wineries we went to but primarily in Marlboro is Sauvignon Blanc. A lot of them have a really high grapefruit taste. This one does not, to me. It it, it is it's there prevalent. Yeah, it's there, but the lemongrass and the citrus. I don't get that heart grapefruit pucker. I, you know that uh, I have gotten with some others. So Joanne would say, "What are you doing drinking some of your long shots? You don't like those." Well, I don't like them when they're that hard, and this one is not. Yeah, this one is definitely that grapefruit is there. Mm-hmm. It is definitely that grapefruit gooseberry kind of taste, but this also has some green bell pepper. There's a lot of green bell pepper. Yeah, on it as well, and it is very like there's no way mistaking that this is not New World Savion Blanc. Mm. Like it is very straight, straightforward of what it's going to be. Now you know more about the Costco situation than I do. Costco apparently buys wine. That they can get a good price on. They're kind of like, I guess they're kind of like Walmart. They're getting the wine at a really great price so they can move it. So I, I wouldn't call them Walmart. Well, I didn't. Mean, I didn't really mean they're Walmart. Right. The better equation, the better equivalency is what's called a negotiant. So a negotiant is somebody okay, who yeah, that's true. doesn't own land. But they buy grapes from winemakers and then put it underneath their own label. So, in like, there are quite a few out there. Um, Kirkland, it, that's what they're doing basically. They're being a negotiant. They're buying, they're buying juice and labeling it. They may be actually be buying full wine, but labeling it under their own. 
their own auspices and then selling it. And because they, they're cutting out some of the middleman, they can run it at a cheaper price. True. Because every time wine or grape or juice changes hands, the price goes up. Right. If you're going to be selling it. So if the less hands that you can put on the wine, if you're trying to buy, buy a lot and keep it, keep your prices down, then the less hands that touch it is the cheaper the wine. Right. Because I think, I mean, obviously I believe it is technically distributed Mm -hmm. through a distributor, Mm -hmm. but I bet a parent company or something of Costco owns the distributing rights, owns the distributorship. So they're not, they're not looking to make as much profit by getting it to the warehouse, to the warehouses to sell as other distributors have to do. So, um, Nibolo is, I think, one of the ones that we went and tasted. Nobolo? Nobolo. Mm-hmm. And it has 300 years of experience. Uh, their Sauvignon Blanc has more, It's it's got more characteristics. You know, it's got more pineapple, ed, elderflower, cantaloupe, citrus, herbal, but the price is so much more. Well, no blows what? $20 a bottle, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. In the world of wine, that's not that a bad price. And for comparable wines that aren't from a warehouse company, right? It's a, it's a comparable price. Exactly. So this is you're getting a good deal on this wine because it is of higher quality than some other low priced wines, and they're doing that because they are able to, you know, use some of their other resources to keep the prices cheap. So they're not trying to make as much money possibly as other companies would off their wine if they're just an independent winery. Right. And I like something that uh, Jordan said is the 7 to $10 range that you can get at Costco means that wine can be your every day. Yep. And you're not feeling bad about, oh, I drank a bottle and it was $40. Exactly. I drank a bottle and it was 7 Oh, let's open another one if you want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're great party wines because they are, I mean, they're good. And this is the thing about this wine is it's good. I've been eating it with the quiche and it goes very well. The quiche is very light. Very fluffy. There's, you know, you get a good amount of flavor from the quiche, but this wine is a very has a very intense flavor. It is very powerful, so it kind of takes over, but it doesn't. It's not like disjointed, like how the pasta and the raspberry mushroom was. It just kind of takes that quiche away and you're just left with the wine which is not always a bad thing so what what were you left with were you left with that everything that about the grapefruit wine. the lemongrass the citrus you know the herbs the green i get green apple i don't know if you do um guava i get a little guava it it was 
It was citrus and bell pepper. Like it was just the like the wine was left. There wasn't. It didn't change at all. Okay, I really don't get the green pepper like you do, but, but so you yeah. don't get any any type of. I get I get peppering. the I get the green pepper, but it sounds like the way you're talking about it is it's like overpowering. Yeah, that's the number one smell to me is that green bell pepper, the oh, pyrazzini okay. kind of smell. Now there are other high like there are. That is a characteristic of New Zealand Savion Blanc and usually higher quality. Well, sometimes can be higher quality, like Cloudy Bay. Like this reminds me of Cloudy Bay with a little less refinedness. Mm. And Cloudy Bay is one of the upper echelons of Savion Blanc from New Zealand. Okay. And it reminds me of that because of that bell pepper characteristic. Like... I think technically it's called it's the pyrazines, but pyrazine. I call it if because I don't fully understand pyrazines, I just call it green bell pepper. And sometimes I get this that green bell pepper flavor as well from California caps. Oh, you do? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's kind of one of the ways when I'm blinding that if I'm getting some of this greeniness from a Cabernet Sauvignon, it's I'm going to say it's most likely a New World one, and it's probably going to come from California. You can also find it in Chilean cabs as well. You'll also find the that these same flavors in Chilean Savion Blancs. So it's kind of a, it's very cognizant of a New World kind of feel when it comes to Savion Blanc. That's good, yeah. So what did you think of the quiche and oh, the wine? I thought the quiche and the wine went very well. I didn't get that overpowering of the pepper. Now we could have, the quiche could have had pepper in it, but this one doesn't. And if, if the quiche had had some green bell pepper in, in the quiche itself, mm-hmm. I think that almost would have been a match made in heaven. It might've helped. It definitely would have helped the pairing a little bit. Yes. But this was just, you know, ham and cheese. And I think there's some onion in there. Uh, but, I thought it was a very good pairing. We had had that a couple nights ago. That I quiche. didn't make I didn't make this quiche. Joanne made this quiche like three or four days ago, and we had this wine with it. So I I knew it was going to be a good pairing. Testing the pairing out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, for those listeners that uh, want to, you can. You can go on the on the website for this wine, and if you're on the right one, you you can get a coupon. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you might save another another little bit on the on the cost of the wine. I don't know if that's allowed in our state. I don't know that it is either, but I suspect in California and places like that it is. But still. I mean, you know, six ninety nine for the bottle. Now I'm gonna try this tuna tartar, and you're trying um, the key lime. Yeah, this is a you know Sauvignon Blanc is a good summer white because it is usually it's higher acidity. It's usually it's going to be higher in acidity. It's going to be fresh. There's going to be it's on not going to really weigh on your palate, mm-hmm. and. When I talk about the bell pepper on this wine, 
it's not that it kills the wine. It's just the major flavor mm-hmm. to me. It's bell pepper and and citrus or, you know, some kind of a more acidic style of fruit. And it's, it doesn't overpower everything else. It's just the major flavor. So as the Uber taster, das beer vinger das Uber taster, you get that. And it's like when you were doing the blind two weeks ago, you got that pickle barrel. Yeah, the, the dill, because the dill. of the brand new the dill because of the brand new oak mm-hmm. American oak. So, I just tried the tuna tartar, and to me, it's excellent with this wine, or this wine's excellent with it, whichever, whichever you want to talk about. So, what is Be- in your what's in your tartar? Sauce? Okay, so the, so there is a sauce, and it's. You know, it's basically soy sauce and there is a sesame seed oil okay. that I've had for years that I really enjoy using because it gives you that oriental kind of flavor. And then there's green onion in it. There's avocado. So it was two layers. You saw the two layers. So the avocado and then a little bit of salt, pepper, and cucumber, which is surprising, and lime juice. And so what you do with a, you know, a tuna that's of this grade for, you know, sushi just a little lemon or lime or even that grapefruit juice. And I started to do that instead of the lime. Actually starts a little cooking of the of the fish itself. And so you're not really... it. Okay, it's still raw, but it's ceviched from that, that lime juice. Yeah. And so... To me, that green pepper and the green onion that's in there and the avocado that's in there, man, they're they're going, yeah, they're going together. Yeah, I can totally, I can totally see that how the the flavors which you were talking about are really going to go well with this one, and actually because they're going to be really intense, it's going to match some of that intensity of the of the one. I forgot to put the hot pepper sauce around it. <laughs> But that would have, you know, a lot of, of, you know, a little hot pepper sauce wouldn't hurt it. Yeah, probably not. It's got a little zing because of the, of the, you know, the green pepper. Josh, the recipe said spring onion. Yep. What was that? Green onion. No, it said green onion and, and then it says spring onion. It's usually the same thing. At least for us, because so spring onions are young onions. Well, but it's still the green. So the green part comes, or the top part comes from a different. I mean, I guess technically a different plant, because you know onions, onions are bulbs. 
so they grow underground and what's what comes up in the spring when you're growing onions are a green plant with a little bit of a bulb on the bottom so if you can't find spring onion you just use green onion because it's gonna it's gonna be roughly the same flavor it had both on the recipe so here's what i did (laughs) because because last week i had that bloody mary board and i had the cocktail onions Mm. i used some cocktail onions and the green onions aren't those pickled I dried them off a little bit. <laughs> True. It's like saying, oh, I need a cucumber, so I dried off a pickle. <laughs> no. Well, a cucumber turns into a pickle if you pickle it. Yeah, but if you dry it off, it doesn't change it back into a cucumber. <laughs> okay. It still anyway, keeps it a pickle. <laughs> any, anyway. Anyway. Oh, man. So we're not gourmet chefs. We do the best we can with what we got. And... Listeners, this is really good, you know, to me. Yeah. No, I I can, I mean, what you're going after is just an oniony flavor. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you don't have spring onions and you don't want to use full onions, go buy some leeks. Use some leeks in there. Mm -hmm. That'll give you a lot of the same flavor. So when we lived in Kentucky, you know, you got the, the Smoky Mountain National Park pretty close. At about, and I forget the level, at about 4,000 elevation, there's a wild onion called a ramp that actually grows wild and people would go, like the wild, you know, mushrooms that grow, like the morales. Hmm? These wild ramps grew and people would go out and they'd pick them. And what they are is they look sort of like a green onion, but they have that garlicky flavor. It's just a whole new, you know, a whole new flavor. Yeah. For for something, and people, you know, as long as you know what mushrooms to pick, you won't die. <laughs> and yeah. as long as what you know, wild whatevers, you can pick them and. Not die. Yep. Well, and people in ramps have kind of a leafy top, and people actually will eat the leaves. Well, it's a green. It's like a green of the ramp. It kind of looks like a green onion. Yeah, but green onions are more stocky, whereas ramps have kind of leaves. And I I've seen ramps in recipes before for like the the green leafy part. Well, you tried the key lime pie. What did you think? I did. And then I ate some of the quiche, so I'm going to have to go back to it. But the key lime pie is delicious. Honey Pies and Blue K Company here at Little Rock, they did a fantastic job with these little itty-bitty hand or not hand pies, but personal pies. And I'm I'm not going to eat all of mine, so I can take some back to Jordan because she loves key lime pie. But it's really good. How did the wine go with it? It's the question. <laughs> well, like I said, I ate some quiche, so I'm going to have to go back to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Joanna and I went to New Zealand, and I'm, I can sit on this, but I'm going to expound a little bit. So, the town of Picton is on the South Island, and it's the most northern 
most northern town on the southern island. It's the most northern town on the southern island. And we went there because we were going to catch the ferry to go north. But we also went there because we knew we could get wine tours. And that's where we were when we did the wine tour in Marlboro. Because Marlboro is just south yeah. of Picton. It's kind of like Willamette. You know, it's it's a big area that stretches out. Yeah. And there's lots of wineries. And we only did, I don't know, three or maybe four. Right. And there's so many more than that. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I mean, it's Savion Blanc country. Now, it is, there is Pinot Noir that is there also is. growing. And they're going to be growing more Pinot Noir as global warming. That's right. Continues to happen. Right. And it's going to, they're, based on some of the ones that I've had, because remember when we did the New Zealand podcast, you did the touring more mm-hmm. uh, Pinot Noir. And that one was really good. Mm-hmm. And... On the Chardonnay episode, wait, was it the Chardonnay episode? Yeah, it was the Chardonnay episode. On the Chardonnay episode I did with Seth, he had a New Zealand Chardonnay that was quite good and was very, was very Burgund- Burgundian style. Burgundian in style. Oh, really? And yeah, it was. It wasn't overripe. It was very. It was very mm. acid, acid driven, and it was very good. It wasn't my favorite but it was still very very good so they're gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what happens in the next you know 10 years mm-hmm. when it comes to a the world of wine in general but also new zealand because they've been known for so long as savion Blanc mm-hmm. and nothing else and now with the branching out it's very it's very interesting well the, and the fun thing about fiction is we we got there on March 15th or 16th. Yeah. Well, you know what happens on the 17th. St. Patrick's was, Day. And there was an Irish pub right there in Picton. And here's the thing. Down there, rather than it being in the spring, it's in the fall. <laughs> yeah. But still, it's a good old Guinness and a good time. Oh, oh yeah. So... Oh, back to the key lime pie. So the the key lime pie is very good with this. I love it with mm-hmm. this because the key lime sails through and calms down the the non fruit characteristics of this wine and brings that back into balance. The pepper. Well, it's not just the pepper; it also the acidity. Yeah, and brings it into balance to the style of Savion Blancs that I really enjoy. Okay. And that was, it was very, very good. So that sweetness brought back from the Savion Blanc because it has that acidity from the citrus. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of toned that down and they went well together. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And and just the the sourness. So key limes have a particular sourness, mm-hmm. and that just cut through and worked well with the citrus that was in this wine. So one of the things in the previous life that I did, well, that 
I did with my workmates. Uh-huh. We had jobs in Florida, and we would always go to a, as many different restaurants. And however many different restaurants we went to meant however many different key lime pies there were. Oh. Okay. So it was like one of the guys, it's like his challenge was he's trying to find the best key lime pie in the state of Florida. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. That would, that's where it should I come want, from. I want to say that this key lime pie would stand up to any of them. Wow. In High Florida. praise. Really. It's absolutely. You know, you get these key lime pies, they just, you know, they got the color and they look like key lime pie and they're just not. I mean, that. yes, they are. They are a key lime pie. But, Standing up against the challenge, they're not going to make it. This right. one is fabulous. Yeah, it it is very good. How do you think it went with the wine? Same way you said it. Same way. That sweetness and that characteristic of the acidity of the wine, they just went so well together. So well, we're about to best on plate, I think. Yeah, I'm ready for it if you are. All right. Well, so on my plate, to me, the best was the barbacoa taco. I liked that the best. I think it played, it it, it was an interesting play with the wine. What about you? I have to say yes. The brat was the, also very the good. Brat, the brat was very good. And I started with the brat and I thought the brat would win out. I really did. Now, Rod, I love you. <laughs> I love you. Don't get mad at me because I'm going to eat the rest of you later. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the taco was best on plate. Yeah. Well, okay, what about you with your on your plate? What was your favorite thing? Can you guess? The tartar. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that key lime pie and I love the quiche. I mean, I had three really good pairings. You did. But the tartar to me, and that's why I did it. I knew that I knew that the wine and the tartar, the acidity, and just the whole the whole thing. Yeah, like I, like I said earlier, I can I can see how any kind of seafood would work really well with this wine. But for me, it's actually the key lime pie. The way the pie went with the wine was just phenomenal to me. So you're going to take the rest of it back to Jordan? Yes, I am. <laughs> That's why it's over here behind my computer where I can't see it. <laughs> well, and la- and last week you uh, took her some Bloody Mary. I did. She she enjoyed it. She likes hers a little bit spicier, so she wanted more horseradish in it. Okay. Because she could. But you said I'm out. I'm 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 out on a Bloody Mary in general. <laughs> but mm-hmm, she really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Well, I think it's time for the blind. All right. All right. Let's get it poured up. All right. All right. So dad's got me poured up a nice little wine blind here, and I'm going to go ahead and go through it. Uh, So this wine is a white wine. It is clear. It is very cold. Uh, There's no real evidence of gas or sediment in it. It is a pale straw with some kind of like silvery greenness as secondary colors. Um. There are, like I said, there's no evidence of real gas or sediment on it. And 
super clean glass and cold wine make no legs. There's a sheet down the glass, so can't tell the legs yet. Um, on the nose of this wine, it's clean. Uh, there's no real evidence of any faults or anything. It's quite cold, so I'm having a hard time getting a whole lot of it. So I'm actually gonna actually I'm gonna circle back to. I'm sorry about that, John. The nose. That's okay. Not a big deal. I'm gonna circle back to the nose, and we go ahead and give it a taste. This wine is there's no faults in it. Again, it is kind of mediumness on the acidity, from what I can tell. Alcohol is probably medium to low as well. I there meant are, to say that the the uh, wine my Sauvignon Blanc was twelve and a half, and when you said yours was. 11.08 I was freaking out because I thought I had the low alcohol of the day nope <laughs> not this time this wine has a very lean texture and a yeah it's a lean texture runs kind of straight through your mouth good I enjoy drinking this wine it's really good it's citrus driven so definitely getting a lot of lemon lemon zest some some light white flowers on it jasmine kind of honeysuckle there are no there's not really any kind of wood characteristics doesn't seem like it is rounded enough where it could kind of even be neutral oaked it's probably stainless steel or concreted mm. I don't know. No real. There's some slight like stoniness on it, but it's really like flinty or slate kind of driven. It's um, it's not really earthy beyond that. Um, like I said, there's some floral characteristics. I'm starting to get some nice little legs. Yeah. So on the on the on the smell of it, you get I'm getting some like citrusy citrus pith kind of flavors um if the citrus is definitely acidic under ripe or i mean ripe for citrus so very kind of that tart that beautiful tartness that you get with citrus any lemongrass or lemongrass any? Is a, lemongrass is a flavor i don't really have a hard time getting okay. but there is some kind of like greeny Okay. Greenness to it. Mm-hmm. I think that this possible grapes on this one are Savion Blanc. Mm-hmm. Are I mean, I'm gonna add a couple extra. We'll go ahead and say um, Shannon Blanc. We'll go ahead and say um, Pinot Gris. Or no, not Pinot Gris. Sorry, Pinot Blanc on this one. Now, or what's Shannon? Beignet. What's Shannon Blanc? Uh, it's the grape of it's the white wine grape of Vouvray. Okay. This is a new world wine, in my opinion, because of it's not super razor acidity. The acidity is high on this, and the alcohol is a little bit higher than I might expect on it. But the the punchiness of the fruit is also another characteristic. Possible countries: New Zealand, United States. Uh, Chile. Um, so let's go ahead and get down to what this wine is. 
So, I think this is Savion Blanc. I think it is from... I think it might be from Chile. Uh, so, yeah, I think I'm going to say it's a Savio Blanc, and I think it's from Chile. So, now, why don't you... You said New Zealand, you said Chile. I said the United States. And you said the United States. So, why Chile instead of New Zealand? So, the citrus profile, to me, is more in the lemon and lime. Mm-hmm. Not as grapefruity as I would expect from a... From the... New, New Zealand ones that I've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not really a whole. There's some like green vegetableiness to it, mm-hmm. and I think that's those are kind of what's leading me more toward Chile rather than the United States. Okay, and I think this is young, so probably within the last three, you know, two or three years. So, you're going to have to come back next week. So, Savignon Blanc. Savignon Blanc from Chile. Chile. Mm-hmm. And, and you said young. So, like within the, the next last three years. Three years. Okay. Yep. So, I you're going to have to come back next week to find out whether I am right or if I am incorrect on what this wine is and where it's from. And next week is the 100th episode. Oh, my goodness. It's oh, hard, my goodness. Hard to believe we've been doing this for 100 episodes. Yep, yep. And we are going to do, we're going to go off script, and we're just going to go with celebration drinks. So it can be a cocktail, it can be a wine, it can be a spirit, it can be a beer. Whatever you can, whatever you want to drink as your celebration I is what it's going to be. I see bubbles in your future. I mean, that is a high probability <laughs> But I am neither going to confirm nor deny what my drink is going to be. So uh, watch the socials and come back next week to find out what we, what exactly our celebration drinks are. All right. And we are very happy to have you guys along with this journey, like we said, for coming up on 100 episodes. Mm. So we just love having you along with us. If you haven't already, give us a like, follow on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a rating. We'd love to see your ratings. Your ratings are what lets other people find us and kind of moves us up on that algorithm. So, you know, give us a rating. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Follow us out there on the socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are also, if you just want to send us an email, feel free to send us an email at acquiredtastings at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys and we hope to Hear from you more as we head toward two years and beyond. So, David, you're out there. I'm I'm struggling. I, I don't know what my celebration drink should be. Should it be rum, Mr. Rum Guy? <laughs> should it be some kind of other other kind of drink? Help me out, David. I know you're out there. Oh yeah. So any anybody send us send us a message. Well, let us Marie, know. you're out there too. Let us know what you think. If you have any suggestions of what we do, or if you're going to celebrate along with us, what are you going to drink while you celebrate with us? For that's right. That's episodes? right. So we thank you guys for being along with us on this journey. And once again, I'm Josh Mills. And I'm John Mills. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. And goodbye. <laughs>